Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is September 24th, 2023. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues in about an hour. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. How are you, my friend? I'm just excited to get to the topics we have today. Yeah, we do have a have a good one. We've got a good list of topics today, Canada. It's, uh, well, it, I wanted to say it's been a slow week in, in politics, but it never seems to be a slow week in Canadian politics. So uh, let's jump right into it. So on the show, actually, we'll get to some housekeeping items first. I just about got ahead of myself there. So yeah, uh, <laughs> first housekeeping item, RIP uh, Constable Rick O'Brien from the... RCMP Maple Ridge Detachment, tragically slain in the line of duty, executing an arrest warrant. Um, 25-year member of the RCMP, and now he is uh, no longer with us. A Coquitlam man has been arrested in his murder, so at least they've they found the perpetrator. But uh, condolences to the RCMP and to Constable O'Brien's family. Yeah, this is... Um... This is like a worrying trend. I mean, we've been seeing police officers getting killed in the line of duty a little bit more often in the last few years. And um, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't I haven't read anything about the uh, the man who was arrested. But I mean, the majority of these people are repeat offenders. Um, they've been let out early, or they've or they are on bail, or they've. Uh, you know, served, you know, multiple, multiple prison terms. Um, we've got to start getting serious about incarceration with these people. Um, repeat offenders are, you know, they, they've demonstrated over and over again that they don't, they don't care about the law. They don't care what the laws are. They are going to do whatever the hell they want no matter who who they hurt or how many people they hurt and uh and I'm tired of it yep oh and I I think you you just echo the sentiment of millions of Canadians I mean from the young OPP officer who was slain in Ontario earlier this year by somebody who was out on bail and I mean there's just example after example and it's it's it, it's got to stop yeah okay next on the list for housekeeping Doug Ford, well, got to give Doug Ford some credit. He backed away from the green belt idea. So first they were walking backwards, but now he's lost a couple of cabinet ministers and finally made a statement and said, I made a promise. I'm quoting Doug Ford, by the way, from the Toronto Sun. I made a promise to you that I wouldn't touch the green belt. I broke that promise. And for that, I am very, very sorry, Ford said. It was a mistake to open the green belt. It was a mistake to establish a process that moved too fast. This process, it left too much room for some people to benefit over others. It caused people to question our motives. As a first step to earn back your trust, I'll be reversing the changes we made and won't make any changes to the green belt in the future. End quote. I think that's what he had to say. And um, good on him for owning up to it. Yeah, at least he you know, took responsibility. I mean, not like the uh, our dear leader in Ottawa who blames Harper after being in office for eight years. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, this is, uh, you know, good on him. But, I mean, he shouldn't have gone there in the first place. But, I mean, at least he's uh, taken responsibility for it and publicly apologized. So, you know, I mean, it's for the voters of Ontario to decide if they accept the apology or not. Um but uh, but I find it a little refreshing when a politician actually takes responsibility for a mistake and uh, owns up to it. Yeah, for sure. And apparently they had a, a caucus retreat in Niagara Falls last week where a lot of his MPPs gave him a little nudge in that direction as well, because they said, you know, we're we're getting the phone calls and the emails from people who are a little ticked about it. And allegedly there was already land allotted within the municipal boundaries of some of the affected communities to accommodate the number of houses that were, you know, requested to be built or required, I should say. So 
not really sure why they were going to jump into the green belt in the first place. So, yeah, I mean, good for him that he, he decided to listen. Um, you're right. The voters of Ontario will decide if they want that apology or not. But I, uh, I say good for him. At least he actually admitted he made a mistake. Yeah. Well, I think, I think we know why he went there in the first place. And, um, I mean, there's the people who benefited, right? There's people who benefit, who would have benefited from it. And, uh, you know, over the past, you know, three and a half years, I've become incredibly jaded. If, if our listeners haven't noticed, (laughs) I've become increasingly jaded uh, with regards to politics. And I mean, I don't believe anything anybody says anymore. Um, and I think I think if you just don't believe anything anyone says, you will know what's going on more than anyone else. Um, there's, I'm, I'm just tired of, of, you know, echoing my sentiment from earlier. I'm just tired of this stuff. I'm tired of it. I mean, I'm tired of of politicians, you know, lying to us constantly. I'm tired of the media carrying their water for them. You know, I'm tired of uh, there always being a a group of people that benefit from everything government does, and those people are really the ones pulling the strings. And and it's usually, uh, you know, big corporations. I mean, you look at you look at uh, everything that's going on with the. Uh, with with the COVID vaccines, I mean Teresa Tam is coming out telling us we should all get the the boosters again, including children. Which we ne- we we everybody in the know is now saying the kids should never have gotten them in the first place. Which we were saying right from the very beginning. Um, and now Dr. Teresa Tam is coming out saying, "Oh, get make sure you get your boosters, including your kids." And it's like the there's someone who's benefiting from this, and it's the pharmaceutical companies. You know, I'm I'm just this is so so what are they receive what are they doing to get the government to call for everyone to get boosters again? What are they giving the people in government who are who are the ones who are being their mouthpieces for them? You know, because someone's getting their wheels greased. Well, and that and that's actually the the crux of the issue, and then that was the whole thing, like you alluded to with the green belt. I mean, it's because, yeah, I mean, there's a pocket that's being lined, and allegedly we we don't know that for sure, but yeah, there's got to be some reason that politicians get so gung ho for certain policies and certain you know actions and not others. So. Yeah. So uh, one more thing about their caucus retreat. I It always makes me laugh how when they go for a retreat somewhere, it's always someone really nice. I mean, let's go for a caucus retreat in Niagara Falls. I mean, if you're just there to work, why not go to Capus Casing out in the middle of Northern Ontario where there's nobody around to bother you? But no, no, we all got to go to Niagara Falls and spend hundreds of thousands of taxpayer dollars on a, on a, on a holiday. So, <laughs> Yeah, no, I know. And it's... Again, it's it's something I'm just getting sick and tired of. I'm sick and tired of politicians wasting our money. I mean, their caucus retreat could happen, oh, I don't know, in Ottawa. Um, like, they don't need to go anywhere. I mean, I'm, and it, this goes for the Conservatives, too. I mean, these caucus retreats do not need to be at five-star resorts or, uh, you know, or $1,000 a room per night hotels or anything like that they can be held at you know a holiday inn i mean or or they can be held in ottawa (laughs) you know why do they need to be in some fancy place i mean this is just them living high on the hog on our money yep that is exactly it all right so two more housekeeping items to take care of one and well we talked about this poor sap so many times, the special rapporteur, whatever the hell that is, David Johnston. He never, ever, ever should have taken that job on because now it's been revealed 
that he handed out some sole source media contracts to media outlets that would paint the investigation he was embarking upon in a more favorable light. What the hell does that even mean? Well, Jeez. yeah, I, I mean, we we do know what that means. <laughs> uh, uh, that that is called buying off the media, um, and uh, and again, I, when I read that, I was I was a little shocked. I mean, I, I yes, his his reputation has taken a hit with me, but that was something I I kind of didn't expect from him, and. Uh, so yeah, it his his reputation is toast. Yep. And and it's really unfortunate because like we have said this on the show, he was Canada's best governor general um of at least my lifetime. Um maybe ever. Uh but but at least of, of our uh, lifetimes, he was the best governor general this country's ever had. And now his reputation is destroyed. And he destroyed it. Yep, absolutely right. And so I don't really feel sorry for him. So. No, no, I mean, I don't either. It's it's uh, because, I mean, everything that, that he did, I mean, it, it just, it reeks of... Well, dare I say liberalism? <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, it, it, buying off the media is a liberal hallmark. I mean, they they did it, and they're and and there's calls for them to do it again. By the way, uh, which you know we've we've said on this show multiple times when you start handing out you know corporate welfare, it never stops. And so they when they said it was a one time six hundred million dollar payment to uh liberal or to media outlets in this country um you know we said yeah right one-time payment bs it's coming again and guess what guys there there's people out there with their hands out now saying we need more we need more where the money's run out yep oh exactly yep so um next on the the list for housekeeping items we had mentioned the the new passport and a past show a few months ago turns out that new passport cost canadian taxpayers 284 million dollars to redesign to get rid of terry fox and put some snowflakes and maple leafs and people playing in a pond and whatever the hell else there was 284 million dollars wow yeah yeah i'm pretty sure that that design could have cost, you know, 10 grand. Yeah. Um, I mean, 284 million. Again, this is no respect for Canadian tax dollars. They're just throwing it out the window. I mean, it's like driving down the highway at 130 kilometers an hour with the windows open and an open bag of cash in the back seat and the money just whipping out the window, just getting sucked out the window as they drive down the highway. That's what this is. I mean, I, I, oh God, $284 million to design a passport that really they weren't designing anything to do with like security or anything like that. It's this is this was the visual redesign. Like we had we had you know amazing historical visuals of Vimy Ridge, the you know war memorial at Vimy Ridge, the uh um Terry Fox and uh you know the suffragettes. I mean we had we had all of those kind of historical visuals on the passport and we got rid of them and replaced them with paper cutouts because that's what they look like. They look like paper cutouts, and and uh, and that cost two hundred and eighty-four million dollars. You could have built a fripping a flicking uh, highway with that. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, it's just ridiculous. God, to think what I could have done with two hundred eighty-four million dollars. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And um, so our last housekeeping item, um, some money well spent, not government money, 
you had shared some polling numbers with me that continue to trend in, well, what to me is a very favorable direction. Yeah. Uh, the latest ECOS poll um, has the conservatives sitting at 42%, the liberals sitting at 22%, and, uh, and the NDP sitting at, um, oh, where is it? It's blo uh, blocking 17%. Now, that means that the liberals have dropped like another 4% and the NDP are down another 1%. So, I mean, this is like super majority territory for the conservatives. Like, uh, because... I mean, 42% is not like a huge, it's not a huge number. That's a pretty typical, you know, pretty close to typical uh, majority territory number. It's the liberal and NDP numbers that make this like a runaway victory for the conservatives. Um, this, this could result in like one of the largest majorities of all time um, with liberal and NDP numbers that low. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, this is, uh, this is very, very good news. Yeah. So listener Trevor could actually be onto something. It was listener Trevor who suggested it might be the largest majority in Canadian history, which may or may not be the case. But if you were to extrapolate the polling numbers from BC, you would say, what the hell in BC, it was 52% support for the conservatives and yeah. the NDP are way down. It's uh it's amazing the numbers in BC. Yeah, yeah, BC's numbers are uh, are kind of shocking because <laughs> I live here, and I mean <laughs> the conservatives. Like I said before, you know this is not, you know, outside of Vancouver, this is not a liberal province. Um, this is a conservative province, but when a solid you know, 65% of the population live in one area of the province. Uh, they kind of control who gets elected here. Um, but, uh, but yeah, in, it's not 52% in BC, by the way, it's 55%. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. And that's only 2% behind Alberta. Alberta is at 57%. Um, but there is, less NDP and liberal support in BC than there is in uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan and Manitoba, Ontario, Quebec, or the Atlantic provinces. Wow. Like BC, which is traditionally, um, you know, very left wing in the most populous area of our province has Less support for the Liberal and NDP than any other region in this country. That's amazing. Wow. So that's got to tell you that the Liberals are done. I mean, if BC has turned on you, like if Vancouver, if the greater Vancouver area has turned on you, you're done. Yeah, well, that, that would be great news to hear for sure. So, Yeah. All right. So now we've gotten through the housekeeping Canada. Thanks for sticking with us for that now on the show today a million person march canada versus india recession what recession and more where do you want to start sir well let's start with the million person march you know what i'd love to start with that because wow it depending on who you who you listen to the lamestream media wants you to believe that it was an anti-trans march, anti-gay, hate march, hate speech, hate hate, homophobe, bigot, istoistic, phobophobe march. Um, Vashi Capellos on her radio show. And, you know, Canada, thank us for listening to that show on your behalf. Good, good God. She, uh, when she first started covering it, she just uh, pretended she didn't know what it was about and said, well, this march is going on in Ottawa and, uh, I think against trans kids in schools. It's like, 
Okay, you know better than that, lady. You've been in the media long enough. You know exactly what it's about. It was not against trans kids in school. It was about parents' rights. But the lamestream media will just tell you, oh, no, it was just all, all a big hate protest. And, you know, gaslighting aside, it actually went a lot better than I thought it would as far as the turnout was concerned. Yeah. Um, well, let's not pretend that there was no hate. Uh, there was in some places, especially in Calgary. There was, uh, there was one guy, especially that was pretty awful. Um, well, you're going to find those everywhere, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's exactly. And that's unfortunately one of the reasons why I would, why I don't take part in those kinds of demonstrations is because you have no control over who shows up and there's always, somebody that the media just fixates on and that person is always some you know conspiracy theorist or uh you know or a real wacko right um and, or someone who is actually filled with hate and um but that's not what this was about yes you're gonna have people like that but you have that that people like that at every demonstration, every protest, no matter what they're protesting, you always get someone who is there because they are full of hate. And that goes for left-wing causes. It goes for right-wing causes. It, it You can't get away from it. But overwhelmingly, it was very peaceful. It was very, uh, you know, everybody was, most people were there for the right reasons. The overwhelming majority of people were there for the right reasons. The media, of course, did their job for, for Justin and, uh, and, and demonized people as best they could. Um, the, the, the march was, was specifically about parental rights in the school system. And how kids should not be getting transed at school without their parents knowing or without parental consent. And that's what this was about. And I mean, the thing is, is that we've talked about this before. Um, I am one, I, I'm, a, I, I'm someone who does not believe that, that, trans is a real thing that it's it's a mental problem and even my kids who used to be on the woke train <laughs> um have actually come around themselves after after spending time with a lot of people like this at school who who identify as the opposite sex and they and they're like, no, these these people, they have mental problems. Like, they have mental health issues, big time. And uh, and so, I mean, when when you got kids who are, you know, changing their minds about it, then then you know that it's, you know, there's something there. But I I'm just parents used to be reg highly regarded. Parents used to be highly respected, you know, that their rights were highly respected by the government, by teachers, you know, by the school. They used to um, involve parents in every single little discussion regarding their kids in the school system. And now parents are viewed as being a problem. And the school system has decided that they are better at raising our kids than we are. And this is, this is, and, and it's not just the trans issue. I mean, it's the full LGBT alphabet, alphabet people uh, issues. There's other issues too, sex ed, um, all of these things at school. Like, I, I'm a I'm I'm a firm believer that sex ed shouldn't even be taught in the school because I believe that that's a discussion that's to be held between parents and children, um, not not the school 
Because I'll tell you, my kids have come home and told me what they're teaching them in sex ed, and I'm not happy about it. Um, they don't. When I was in school, sex ed was this is how you protect yourself so you don't get STDs and stuff like that. Now they actually show them how to perform fellatio. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> wow. Like this is, these are things that the school has no business teaching our kids. I really, really wish our kids would get back to learning how to read, write, and do math and learning about scientific advancements. Um, but my kids, I mean, my daughter finally graduated, so I'm happy about that. Um, I, I, If my kids were entering school right now, I don't think I'd put them in school. Uh, I would, we would find some way to do homeschooling or find a private school that doesn't teach this stuff because, um, I mean, there, there was a teacher in my, in my son's middle school, he's in high school now, but there was a teacher in my son's middle school, uh, a white blonde teacher whose job it was, was to go around to every classroom. Anytime something happened in the news with first nations and go into every classroom and just dump on white people and on European colonial, uh, you know, colo uh, colonization and, and stuff like that. Just, just go on and on about how the evils of, of the white race, that was her job basically. And that's what she did every single time. Like that's what she did after the Kamloops mm -hmm. two two fifteen and, Things like that. You know, it's just, this is what's happening in our classrooms now. I mean, the elementary school here in town, one of them, uh, they they recite the land uh, recognition every morning. The students have to recite it now. This isn't just something that the, that the principal says at the beginning of, a, of an assembly anymore. This is said every morning in the classroom and all the kids have to recite it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, this is, when did school become an activist organization? When did our education system decide that that social justice was more important than getting our kids ready to take on a career and go to university and become productive members of society? When did, when did this change? Yeah, that's a really good question, actually. So, uh, what again, what you didn't see too much of in the lamestream media was there was actually with, in Ottawa, they was where the biggest protest was, and that's where the main organizer is from, so that makes sense. But there were, uh, there were signs up there saying exactly what you said, no child is born in the wrong body. Well, that's not really a radical kind of sign to be carrying around. And others have said, pray for the woke mob well not really inciting violence by uh putting up signs like that but the ottawa citizen building up their shoulders carrying water for the government reported comparing the protesters to the quote-unquote so-called freedom convoy but trucks were replaced with religious fundamentalists and and the anti-trans signs well I wouldn't go quite that far, but you had talked about, you know, the mostly peaceful protest. Well, the counter protesters showed up in Toronto in the name of Antifa and decided they weren't interested in peace at all. And again, I didn't hear much about this on the lamestream media, but True North actually did some pretty good coverage on it is um, now Josh Alexander is a name that a lot of Canadians know. He is a young man who started up the group Save Canada after he was kicked out of a Catholic school for daring to say that a man is a man, a woman is a woman, and a man should not be in a woman's bathroom. And in fact, he was actually asked by a couple of girls for support on that because they were uncomfortable with a boy being in their bathroom. So that's Josh Alexander. He, him and his brother Nick were at the protest in Toronto. 
and Antifa showed up, and Josh and Nick were asking everybody to remain peaceful. When Antifa whacked Nick over the head with some kind of metal stick, according to Billboard Chris, who was also there, and then someone punched him in the face. He got a big cut over his eye. But Toronto police to the rescue. They came in there and they arrested Nick for the crime of getting punched in the face and didn't even treat his cut, just drug him into the paddy wagon, closed the door. I'm going to say they probably did treat his cut in the paddy wagon, but yeah, they uh, decided because you said be peaceful and Antifa punched you in the face and hit you over the head with a with a stick, you should be arrested. What the hell is going on with the police these days? Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, it's it goes like that with, you know, it's like that with a lot of stuff in this country. I mean, you can't protect yourself or else you get arrested. Uh, you can't, you know, shoot an intruder that comes into your house without getting arrested for murder. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why what's happening to this country. But but I mean, it's. uh this is this this march i think was indicative of something much greater um i think people have had enough of this woke ideology i think people are starting to really push back um you're seeing like polling numbers that are showing that uh the media is on the wrong side of history that the uh government is on the wrong side of history i mean you look at um you look at uh, Justin Trudeau, you know, publicly announcing that that Canadian parents are bigots and transphobes and homophobes and and that there's no place in this country for you. So you know he's telling people like us and our listeners and and other people that that, that there's no place in Canada for people like us you know, who, who want to have a say over our kids upbringing. Um, you know, there's, this is, uh, I think it won't be very long. It'll be, I I don't think it's going to be very many years before you, before history does not, um, shed light or, well, that's not the word I want to use. It doesn't, it won't be, uh, you know, shining a bright light on people like Justin Trudeau. It's, uh, you know, the the latest polling we've seen shows 78% of Canadians, 78% uh, don't agree with how the school system is treating the trans issue. Uh, they, 78% of Canadians believe that, that parents should have a say or be informed of what is happening with their child in the classroom uh, in regards to their gender identity. 78%. So according to Justin Trudeau, 78% of Canadians have no place in this country. Well, that certainly sounds about right. Yep. (laughs) So I, you know, history will not be kind. To people like Justin Trudeau, uh, because he's on the wrong side of history. The media is on the wrong side of history because I mean the media has been especially vicious towards these protesters. Yep, absolutely. So to wrap this one up, I will say good on the citizens of Toronto. Those who were at the protest after Antifa started doing their antics actually gathered around and actually surrounded the uh the thugs peacefully and disperse them peacefully so thank you for to toronto for that so let's talk a little bit about this recession you and i have been talking been talking for at least two years that recession's coming uh beginning of this year we said no no recession's actually here well finally some of the uh we're getting some support from well bemo you'd uh you'd sent me an article from i guess it was a cbc article that said bemo is starting to walk away from some sketchy loans and those loans are for our cars 
Yeah, they're not just walking away from some of these sketchy loans. They're actually closing their their division that deals with uh, retail car car loans. So uh, when you go to a car dealer and you buy a car and you finance it, uh, that financing is not through the dealership. It's through a bank. It's either through BMO, it's through TD Canada Trust, it's through, uh, you know, Bank of Montreal, or sorry, BM, yeah, BMO, Bank of Montreal, right? Uh, CIBC or uh, the Royal Bank. Like the, the four big Canadian banks are usually the ones that provide these loans to car dealers. And BMO, Bank of Montreal, is actually closing the division because of all the bad debt that they've taken on because all of these because so many people are uh are defaulting on their car payments that these banks are left holding the bag and uh it's happening so much that Bank of Montreal is just closing it they're getting out of that business entirely yeah that's amazing that just tells you that there's Obviously, a lot of people defaulting on car loans, and I don't blame BMO. I mean, they obviously have to repossess some of these vehicles, not the bank directly, but now they got to find someone to repossess these vehicles and then try to sell them on the used market or whatever it is they're going to do with them at that point. I, uh, I think not just the bad loans, just the hassles of that end of it. I don't blame them for getting out. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because... Everybody's going on and on and on about the cost of living and the cost of housing and the cost of groceries and, and all of that right now and, and how how ridiculously high these prices are. And they're right, they are. Um, but I have not heard anybody talking about the ridiculously high prices of cars. I mean, you can't buy a full-size pickup right now for less than $60,000. I mean, a basic work truck with no options is 60 grand. It's like 50, I think the cheapest one I could find, if you, if you get a four by four, half ton, regular cab, long box, like a, a truck that, that nobody even buys anymore because it doesn't have, ba it doesn't have uh, a back seat and uh, four doors. You can't even, you can barely even find regular cab trucks anymore, but they're the cheapest ones you can get if you can get one. $58,000. Wow. And I mean, what I bought, I bought a, uh, back in 2016, I bought a brand new 2016 uh, Chevy, or sorry, GMC Sierra 1500 crew cab. Uh, four by four with a 5.3 liter V8, no options except for a towing package and, uh, tinted windows. And that was $44,000 and just what? Eight years later? No, seven years later, seven years later, that same truck is $63,000. Wow. The truck that I have right now for my business, like it, I got a one ton diesel. It's a 2021. When I bought it, it was, uh, uh, I got it six months old. It was a, uh, it, I got it used, but it was a six month old truck. I, and it was like 80, $80,000, I believe used. And it was $93,000 retail. And the, uh, but that same truck now, just two years later is now tops a hundred thousand dollars. Crazy. Like how do you, how do people like the only way that I can afford that truck is my business pays for it. I see lots of these trucks sitting in people's driveways as personal vehicles. And I, I don't know how they pay, make these payments. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. that's And crazy. I mean, when one of these trucks costs $1,500 a month in payments, because that's what it costs, $1,500 a month, plus your mortgage, which I think the average mortgage around here from what I've found from other talking to other people is, you know, $2,500 a month to $3,000 a month. 
And then you've got your food, you've got your bills, you've got your um, spending money, you've got, uh, you know, insurance for your vehicles, like, and you have more than one vehicle, you you have two vehicles, at least if you're in a, uh, a uh, if you're married, right? Um, I don't know how people do it. I honestly don't know how people do it, how they make these payments. And, and obviously more and more people are not making those payments because bank of Montreal is getting out of that business entirely. Yeah. And used vehicles are insanely overpriced and not easy to find as well. So it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, my business, the, I, I have, I have two trucks. Well, I had three trucks, the engine in one of my trucks, uh, exploded <laughs> like on the highway, just instantly like a light switch, just gone. The engine died, um, lost compression in four of the six cylinders. Wow. Like I have the, the twin turbo, uh, EcoBoost V6 in my F-150 and that engine just went just post instantly. And I've been looking at used trucks to replace it with. I, I, I am blown away by how expensive used trucks are. Like I bought that truck used and I got it, uh, in 2017, I bought that truck and it was four years old. It's a 2013. I bought that truck for, uh, $11,000 used. And I can't even buy a 2013 F-150 now for less than like 18. Wow. Like it, it's the used truck prices are insane. If I want a diesel truck, if I want a one ton diesel, but I want it, you know, relatively affordable. I want to get one that's like under 20 grand or 20 grand or, or let's say, let's just say $20,000. I got to get one that is 23 years old. Holy. <laughs> Jeez. Like, it's insane. Like, I don't know why we're not hearing anything about car prices. Like, the the amount that they've gone up is outrageous. Oh, for and, sure. And they're only going up even more now because, like, Unifor is demanding a 40% pay raise. 40%. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean... It, I don't blame BMO for getting out of the business because obviously lots of people are not making their payments and they're starting to lose money on it because of that. Um, and it's not worth, you know, all the good loans that are out there. Like that's, that's the crazy part. There are so many people defaulting on their car payments that, that the good loans are not worth BMO's time and effort. Yeah. Now, speaking of those, the the good loans and the bad loans, you'd also mentioned that the Canada emergency business loans that were handed out during COVID, and those are the loans I think were up to forty thousand dollars, and where they were paid on time, the government was going to forgive ten thousand of it for to help businesses that were getting shut down. Well, now the government has decided to extend those loans for I think it's another year, so. I don't know. That means that if it's that tough in the, in the market still, that's kind of scary. 51% of restaurants are still not making money in this country. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, uh, and it's not, it's not, uh, it's not the extension that people think it is. Uh, so the SIBA loans first started out as being a $40,000 loan that if you paid back on time, they would forgive 10 grand of it. Then it became a $60,000 loan that if you paid back on time, they would forgive $20,000 of it. And that on time was originally, because that money was handed out in 2020, the on time repayment was December 31st of 2021. Um, or no, sorry, 2022. And then as... It got closer to 20, December of 2022. The government was like, oh, nobody's going to be able to pay these back because 
COVID restrictions have kept these businesses from making any money. And so they extended it a year to December 31st, 2023. That deadline's coming up and the overwhelming majority of businesses still can't afford to pay those, those loans back. Um, so by December 31st this year, uh, businesses had to pay back 40,000 of the 60,000 to have that $20,000 forgiven. The government announced that they were giving a one-year extension on that, but that is not what they did. They extended the payback period for the entire loan. So if you don't pay back the $40,000 by December 31st this year, you get an extra year to pay back the full 60000 And the, but they did, in the end, give us an extension on paying back the 40000 by 18 days <laughs> the debt so the deadline generous. the deadline went from december 31st 2023 to january 18th 2024 oh they've just saved businesses in canada wow that's great yeah um and now that we're in a recession businesses can't afford to pay this back anyway so and here's the racket. This is what is really, as a business owner, is really pissing me off. And it should, you know, piss everyone else off. Because this is what I think it was about all along. They made the payback period a ridiculously short amount of time. Where, I mean, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be able to just come up with 40 grand to pay back in a year, right? The banks are now offering loans to cover so that you can pay back the SIBO loan to the government so you, so you still get your $20,000 uh, forgiven. But then you have a five-year loan at, I believe it's like nine and a half percent to pay back the bank. So the banks are going to make bank on this deal. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what this was all about all, all along, was that the banks were going to be, you know, they were going to show up at the last minute with like they have and be small the the saviors to small business and go look we got your back we're going to give you this loan to pay back the 40 grand so you get to keep the 20 and, and uh but you know in the end you're going to pay that 20 grand in uh to the banks in interest so it's uh yeah it's not the government has has really screwed small business here and uh the banks are going to make a lot of money on it because you know like it, it's like you know that here's the thing justin trudeau's in ottawa at a press conference last week we talked about it on the last week's show about how he's summoning all the ceos of all the big uh uh you know grocery chains in this country to ottawa to explain themselves and to present a plan on how to lower prices at the grocery stores. And if they don't, he's going to impose a new tax that will force them to lower the prices. And I don't think he understands how taxation works. Um, but if you want to talk about an industry that actually screws their, their customers and you want to talk about an industry that records record profits every single quarter? How about we talk about the banking industry? Absolutely. The big but, but, he, but he will never talk about the banking industry because that is who he depends on. 
the banking industry is in charge here, not Justin Trudeau, obviously, because otherwise he'd be all over the banking industry, but he's not. He's going after grocery stores instead who already have razor thin margins. Yep, that's right. So let's move on to our last topic of the day, and that is Canada and India. So on Monday in the House of Commons, when the first day of the return to Parliament for all of our 338 dumbest Canadians who tell us how to live, <laughs> Justin Trudeau dropped the bombshell that the when the killing of Hardeep Singh Nijar in Surrey back in June, and I remember that happening. I remember that he was uh, at Temple. They had just finished services, and he was in his truck when he was murdered by two masked men who approached him. Turns out that, well, allegedly, the Indian government has something to do with this. And what I found interesting was that, again, Robert Fife, the Globe and Mail, had actually approached the, the Trudeau government and said, we have this story, here's what we have, and we're going to release it. And the government said, give us a week. Bob Fife said, I'll give you 24 hours. So Justin Trudeau basically had to make that announcement Monday. But I'm just going to say it. I think Justin Trudeau doth protest too much. He has been on the attack over India. And I'm just going to throw it out there, Canada. The very same day the public inquiry into election interference was to start, which was Monday, and it did start apparently, I guess, um, is the same day that Justin Trudeau starts going hard on India. There's, there's just, there's, there's just got to be a coincidence there. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the, uh, I don't know. I mean, you'd think that he would come up with something like this more towards the end of the, uh, of the inquiry when you know, when the report would be coming out or something. But I don't know it, this. It seems like this is one hell of an international kerfuffle, <laughs> uh, for lack of a better word, an international kerfuffle that uh, I don't know that it's really worth trying to distract from an inquiry by having an international <laughs> trade um, uh What's the word? Well, uh, it's, it's not even a trade war anymore. I mean, they're they're expelling diplomats. They did did stop oh. the talks for the free trade deal. I get that, but I don't doubt that this is what happened. I don't even doubt that there's you know potentially some involvement on the part of the Indian government because uh, Mr. Najjar has got a pretty sketchy past as far as how he got into Canada and somehow got citizenship, and he is linked to the Free Khalistan movement. So. I don't doubt that there is some involvement by India. I just think it's a very convenient distraction for Justin to say, India is the problem. India is the enemy. Don't look at China. Just, just, just don't look over there. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, I, I just think that, you know, I mean, I, I mean that Najjar, he's, he's, I think, I believe in India, they, they uh, classified him as a terrorist. Um, and, uh, and so, I mean, it is possible that the Indian government, I mean, it's not like the American government doesn't go around the world killing, you know, people covertly um, that they that they don't like. So, I mean, I guess it's possible the Indian government did it here. Um, I'm not going to say that that I believe they did it because I don't know. I mean, it, this this could be a, a, a story that is complete BS like you said, as a distraction. Um, but, I mean, it has resulted in India cancelling visas for all Canadians. So, I mean, this is just like your regular Joe. I mean, like, or not regular Joe, like your regular uh, Hardeep, because, you know, any, any uh, Canadian Indian that is heading back to India to visit family which, um, if you know any um, in Indo Canadians, you'll you'll know that they they go back to India a lot, 
like uh, every year, some of them go back every year to visit family. And because it's really like family's really important to the Indian culture. So they go back every year. Well, the Indian government has canceled all of those visas. So, I mean, like this is turning into a, a bit of an international incident here. And, um, and I don't know how this is going to end for us, for Canada. I mean, they, we have a big, um, I believe Saskatchewan grows the most lentils in the world. Like they, they provide, like India buys most of their lentils from Saskatchewan and that, and that's going to go, uh, I believe that, that 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 deal is actually on the line here. I, yep. You know, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, like, that's a big deal. It's a really big deal. And I really hope that Trudeau, you know, that this is really worth it for him. I mean, I'm not saying that if a foreign government did operate on Canadian soil and kill a Canadian citizen, whether that guy should have been a Canadian citizen or not. Um, but if a, if a foreign government did do that, I mean, like they shouldn't get away with it. But oh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. But should it be getting played out in public like this, where it's, you know, putting trade relations at risk. It's uh, it, you know, this is, let's just say it wasn't handled very well. That's certainly a good way to characterize it because, yeah, I mean, now they the repercussions are, well, they're you're right. They've canceled visas for Indian nationals who want to go visit family. They've issued travel warnings for Indians coming to Canada. They've now affected international students as well with uh, their credentials. So this is going much deeper than just two government leaders who don't like each other. And I've been listening to different Indian pundits saying that this relationship is not going to change one bit until Justin Trudeau is gone. So we could potentially have two more years of this. So this could get really ugly. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is just uh, one, another one in a long string of mishandled situations by Justin Trudeau. I mean, I, I don't know that he's ever actually handled anything right. Um, I mean, it just blows my mind that after eight years, there's still people out there that support him and 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 still think that he's a a great prime minister because there are people who actually believe he's been a great prime minister, and those people need to be um, put in uh, an asylum <laughs> and uh, and dealt with appropriately um, with medication. Um, but <laughs> there's like, I don't, he has never handled anything well. Um, but that's cause he's an idiot and, and he's, he was, he should never have been the prime minister in the first place. Let's, let's just be real here. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. I mean, I've I've heard other pundits saying that, well, you know, Canada actually had respect on the world stage before Justin Trudeau came along. And, you know, this how Stephen Harper, you know, had at least given Canada a positive light on the world stage and contributed, et cetera. And Justin Trudeau was really taking every bit of that goodwill and flushed it right down the toilet. Yeah, well, I mean, like he's... He's had two India trips, right? And both have been disasters. I mean, the first one was the worst. I mean, playing Mr. Dress Up while he was there. And uh, I mean, it was it was absolutely embarrassing. Like it was it I was so Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't even the most that wasn't even the most embarrassing part. The most embarrassing part were all the costumes and the posing. Um, you know, with their with their hands, you know, pressed together in front of their faces in every in every photo, and uh, I mean, it was that was the embarrassing part. I'm or or you know, greeting Indian dignitaries who were all wearing you know three piece suits, wearing traditional 
uh, groom and bride outfits. Um, <laughs> like they were the only ones dressed like Indians in India. I mean, it was it, it was so embarrassing. And then the uh, this last trip was 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 not very good either. I mean, he's received tons of criticism for this last trip. Yeah, well, there was a video that was distributed by, by Prime Minister Modi in India, um, and it was going through, and it showed all the different world leaders and him, and him greeting all these different world leaders. And, well, the only ones who were not featured in that video were Justin Trudeau and Emmanuel Macron. So thanks, Justin. Thanks a lot. Yeah, well, and it's not surprising it shouldn't be surprising that that Trudeau and Macron are boyfriends. I mean, they they're like best buds, and Modi hates both of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yep, that's true. <laughs> All right, Canada. Well, we're gonna wrap it up right there. And well, hey, about an hour. We're exactly an hour, man. Good work. <laughs> right on. Thank you so much for joining us, Canada. We always appreciate you signing in. And until next week, it is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Good night. Good night, Canada.